You are now listening to Learn Life, hosted by Alan Patron. One time for the triple OG MC Hammer. I don't know if I could ever truly make people who weren't old enough or people who weren't alive at the time. I don't know if I could make y'all understand just how big MC Hammer was. Like, the best I can do is tell you that MC Hammer was so fucking big that he had his own Saturday morning cartoon and his fucking music videos would premiere on primetime network television. I understand that we live in a completely different world now, but MC Hammer isn't the punchline that people try to make him out to be. And the reason I use Too Legit To Quit as the opening is because MC Hammer got the nickname Hammer because when he was younger, he resembled Hank Aaron. And before I start this episode, I want to go there because we lost a giant. And to be clear, whenever I say we, I'm talking about black people because white people love to bastardize the lives of black people when one of us passes. And because Hank Aaron played baseball, you know, white people have been feeling the need to take ownership of his message and they've been flat out lying. Hank Aaron was a black man. His messages, his plight, his courage. It was a call for unity for us. And his life in the public eye represented the furtherance of equality for black people in this country. Hank Aaron was a black man who dominated a predominantly white sport. Baseball had no equal back in Hank Aaron's time. Baseball is as American as racism is. That's why they call it America's pastime. And here you have a black man from the segregated South, deep in the heart of Alabama. And he's dominating America's game at the height of the civil rights movement. Hank Aaron wasn't just a baseball player. Hank Aaron was a civil rights activist at the height of his career while getting thousands of death threats on a daily basis. And he still dominated. Imagine what he could have done if his life wasn't constantly being threatened, if he wasn't in constant fear for his life. And I hate that adversity is always a part of our story. Overcoming is always a part of our history. And the fact that we're still fighting the same fight that Hank Aaron did 50, 60 years ago, it's one of the reasons that I treat white people the way that I do. It's one of the reasons that I speak about the police in the manner in which I do. It's one of the reasons that I say fuck the government the way that I do. I know a lot of us you know, don't have any reverence for baseball. And we think you know, baseball isn't our sport. But let me learn you something. Wherever we show up is ours. As black people, we're that fucking great at everything. The only reason we don't play baseball as much as we play other sports is logistics. Because where are the baseball fields in our neighborhoods? Correction, where are the safe baseball fields in our neighborhood? And forget the amount of people we need to get a real game going. Let's just say it's two of us. Who's paying for the bat? Who's paying for the ball? Who's paying for the glove? Who's teaching us the rules? You see, we've been playing football our entire lives. If you play tag, you have a hell of a head start in a football career. What do you need to play basketball? A ball? You don't even need a fucking hoop. And the funny thing is, you know, there's always a basketball around. No idea where that shit came from, but it'd be there. It's like a Chinese food restaurant. How did it get there? Why is it on every other corner? Who fucking knows? But like a basketball, you just know it's there. And that's not to say, you know, football and basketball aren't intricate sports, but they're logistically easier to play. Baseball just isn't logistically available to us. Just like golf, just like tennis, But look how we've dominated those sports. Shit. Even fucking hockey. One time for P.K. Subban. One time. 
like one timer that's a hockey term get it all right i'm sorry but seriously look at how much fucking fun marshawn lynch was having playing hockey if you haven't seen it please go on youtube it's great he's fucking great i just really resent you know this notion that baseball is too complicated for us to participate in or like it's this you know game of privilege no because when we have the opportunity to play sports that aren't quote-unquote ours, we still dominate. And nobody dominated baseball the way Hank Aaron did when he did how he did. Hank Aaron dominated baseball at the time where public figures were being off left and right. They assassinated Martin Luther the King. JFK, a fucking sitting president, was assassinated. And here is this black man from the deep south segregated Alabama, breaking the most sacred record in American sports history. Hank Aaron, he fucking ended the 73 season needing one homer to tie Bay Roofs and obviously he needed to, uh, two to break it. Hank Aaron had to survive the entire offseason wondering if they were going to fucking assassinate him because he was on the verge of breaking white America's most precious record. And when he hit fucking 715, people ran onto the field. All the fans ran onto the field. Now imagine accomplishing something of that fucking magnitude just to have to worry if some crazy white person is going to try to off you in the absolute moment. You just broke the record and now the first thing your mind has to do is switch over to defense mode. Fans ran onto the field with God knows what on them. But one of the reasons Hank Aaron's nickname was Hammering Hank is because as a black man in those times, it meant that you had to be prepared to defend your life at any given moment. And I hope that the piece of black history that is known to us as Hank Aaron, I hope that he's finally resting in peace. Definitely concerns me a little bit, you know what I mean? But you know, I, I packed that thing too. So he come around this way, you will get caught. I have absolutely no idea who that brother from the news clip is, but I hope he's having a fucking spectacular day. You know, for me, you know, you honor a person by furthering their legacy. And thinking of Hank Aaron's legacy, it's one of the reasons why I get so frustrated with our our complacency and our, you know, seat at the table attitude. Like, if you know anything about me and if you know anything about this show, I don't talk down on black people. Like, I might make a joke here and there or whatever, but like my energy is really focused on rallying us together. That's actually a lie because I don't like William of the Black Eyed Peas. Will I am. No, you not. Your name is fucking William. I'm never not going to be mad about that, right? I'll be pissed if I do my Googles one day and I find out this nigga's name is like Percival or some shit. Because that nigga does look like a Percival. Fuck that guy. Like, the only other black person I truly don't like is Virgil Ablubluble. I don't know how to pronounce his name. This nigga's last name is spelled like some shit that you say on the water. Fuck that nigga, all right? A lot of us, right, we partner and buddy up with white people. Like some even go as far as marrying white because we want to gain access to white wealth because a lot of us still see white acceptance and white wealth as the standard. And part of me understands it because programming, because of conditioning, but it's 2021, we're too smart for this. So if you're still operating from a place of white acceptance and a place of white wealth as the standard, you're a bitch. And Virgil is a fucking bitch. I expect white people to be culture vultures. It sucks. I hate them for it, but I expect it. It's who they are. 
See, white people don't have culture. White people's culture is stealing other cultures. That's who they are. But when a nigga does it to niggas, you a bitch. Virgil's a bitch. This nigga donated $50 to the cause. You know what $50 can get me off the off-white fucking website? Nothing. That's what Virgil is. Nothing. Then this nigga gonna go troll with Pop Smoke's album cover? It's clear. Virgil, he does not like black people. And he purposely does this shit to incite our anger because it helps him further integrate himself with white people. So I've done this work and I've prepared a poem for Virgil. I call this piece Black Man. Black man, black man. Your white wife has no lips. Is her father in the clan? Black man, black man. Virgil's been shaky. Virgil's been rocky. Ever since that nigga who wore a bow tie was running with Ted DiBiase. Black man, black man. Do you hate your kin? I ain't seen a nigga this corny since DJ Self started gwinning. Black man, black man. You must have a disorder. Because you've been trying harder to have skin like Bob Barker. No wonder those prices ain't right. Off-white, off-white. This episode of Learn Life is entitled F-O-M-F, quote, unquote. And if you don't understand that acronym, then you don't need to be here because this is an Africans-only podcast. And you may not bring your white wife. If you bring a non-African, you and the non-African will be escorted out my training. Yo, I don't know why, but non-African is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my fucking life. But yeah, it's just really crazy to me that, you know, people see the bullshit that Virgil Blue Blue creates and they still be pressed to go out and buy it. Like the nigga literally said fashion is the biggest scam ever. And everybody just kind of like ignored it and then like made him rich so he can do nothing for us in return. This shit is crazy, but I feel like that's the nature of being a hype beast. I don't understand hype beast culture. And quite frankly, I'm afraid of hype beast, right? And my fear is predicated on me growing up in a completely different universe. Because as a kid, you know, when I wanted sneakers, I would get on the dollar van, go to Jamaica Avenue, go to Green Acres Mall or whatever, and check this out. I would buy the sneakers that I wanted to wear. Then of course, you know, I would have to protect the sneakers with my life because people would rob the old fashioned way. You know, instead of using bots and whatever the fuck else. Like, I don't really do the whole, you know, you wasn't outside thing because it's fucking corny. And, you know, the funniest part of it is that, you know, most of the niggas that say you wasn't outside, they weren't outside their fucking selves. <laughs> so, you know, so as I sit here saying, you know, I don't understand hypebeast culture, it's because I'm not meant to understand hypebeast culture. Like, I don't want to understand hypebeast culture. And one of the reasons is because I'm too old for this shit. And that's my answer for mostly everything these days, to be quite honest with you. I'm too old for this shit. It works in almost every situation, every scenario, whatever the fuck. Try it out. Like how barbers be making niggas wait or like book a fucking appointment on an app or something. I'm too old for this shit. I walk into the barbershop, I'm fucking next. And that's not me trying to play some type of uh, super thug or make myself sound like something that I ain't. That's just because I've been going to this barbershop since 1996. You're going to fucking respect me. I'm not waiting for shit. I'm too old for this shit. Like, I really just stay out of young people's business unless young people come and ask me for the advice 
that they're looking for, then I give them advice predicated on what they literally asked me for. I'll say it again. I'll never be the old nigga in the club. And that's not about the club as a physical place. It's an energy that we exude. And I don't particularly like some of the energy I've been seeing. And I'll use this one as an example because it's been on my mind since I've seen it lately. The way that you niggas have been fawning over fucking Chloe Bailey is absolutely fucking disgusting. This isn't a joke either. I don't care if she's legal. She's a fucking child to me. That shit's fucking gross. But that's old nigga in the club energy in a fucking nutshell. Like, I get secondhand embarrassment. I cringe when I see it. Y'all niggas be out of pocket. Y'all be out of place. Like, how don't you feel uncomfortable being out of place all the time? Like, the whole world is burning around us, right? And niggas my age be talking about, you know, 10 o'clock sneaker drop. (laughs) Like, what? 10 o'clock sneaker drop. I love sneakers just as much as anybody. But it's not my identity. And niggas will say, you know, we can do both. No, you can't. Because I've literally never seen you do both. You don't have the range, right? That's what they say. You don't have the range to do both. So I prepared a poem for the niggas in the club. The old niggas in the club. And it's called Old Nigga. Old nigga, old nigga, why are you here? Old nigga, old nigga, please disappear. Old nigga, old nigga, the club ain't for you. Old nigga, old nigga. I don't care about your shoes. Old nigga, old nigga, them girls are too young. Old nigga, old nigga, you belong in jail because you're fucking scum. Old nigga, old nigga, you lie to the youth. Old nigga, old nigga, the only impact you have is your wisdom tooth. And still I rise. And still I rise. And still. All right, thank you very much. Do not use my fucking poetry on your fucking albums without my express written consent. I will want 700%. You know what's really funny? I've actually written skits for albums, but I've never been on an album. Such is life. I just play the back. And that used to get me really frustrated because I wouldn't get the credit I felt I deserved. But that shit really doesn't matter. So long as my influence was there, you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. I'm human. I want my flowers here and there, of course. But at this point in my life, ego doesn't really factor into how I move. Like, I have an ego when we talk about my pen game. Yeah, no doubt. Ain't nobody got a nicer pen than me. You can bring up whoever the fuck you want. My pen is nicer than them. I'm not talking shit either. That's how I feel because that's what the fuck I know. And where I'm really trying to go with this is you don't need to be known as a quote unquote influencer to influence people. And, you know, that's not a jab at the career influencers. I love that black people can get paid by just being And I'm not saying being an influencer is easy. I will never try to discredit anybody else's hustle. But your life isn't a movie. It's a commercial. You're literally a commercial, which is great. There's money in it. Get fucking paid. But you know how people just love saying that their life is a movie. I'm in a real global pandemic. I don't know what movie I'm in. And no bullshit. I'm basing the way that I treat people on how they were moving during this pandemic. Like, I'll never forget the stupidity and the selfishness. I'll never forgive the stupidity and the selfishness of everybody and i just had to get that in because it's like you know people are literally dying and everybody's like fuck it gotta get my content gotta have my content and i don't even blame individuals i blame the game itself i blame the fact that we live in a country that forces people to have to go do non-essential work instead of allowing us to contain a deadly virus and the funny thing is 
the influencers believe that, you know, they're still on the grind. Yeah. Meanwhile, their entire life is influenced by a capitalistic system that is driven by a zero sum game. Who really has power here? Who's really influencing who and what? Like, I don't care what y'all do, but please, for the love of God, stop trying to force people to think and feel and do as you do. The point of influence is to influence people to think for themselves, to see for themselves, to feel for themselves. This ain't a cult. Nobody has to do things the way that you do. And you know how you can spot them and you can tell the difference? Watch how they act when you don't agree with them. That's why they call anyone who doesn't subscribe to their line of thinking a hater. Yeah, everybody has haters. How can you be anybody without haters? Nobody hates y'all. Y'all just really fucking stupid and you need everybody's fucking validation. And that makes me think of this conversation that's been centered around black people in luxury. It's a real simple thing to figure out. If it makes you happy, great. If it ain't for you, it ain't for you. But stay there. Again, stop trying to convince people who don't feel like you to feel like you. And ain't no such thing as deserve or don't deserve. Black people deserve more than this world can ever give us. So do what, do whatever you do. Do what makes you happy. Keep it pushing. And before I get out of here, I want to address something. Uh, Black History Month is almost here. And I want us to show each other as much love as humanly possible. Look, jokes are jokes. I'm going to joke. You're going to joke. Jokes are jokes. That's, that's what it's always going to be. But show love. Say Black History Month to your brothers and sisters. To show love. And please, whatever you do. Do not post any Luka Doncic highlights in February. Anyway, that's my time. My name is Alan. You've been listening to Learn Life. You have to subscribe, rate, and review. And of course, do remember, the light at the end of the tunnel is your own reflection. And I'll see you on the other side. The preachers, I'm from Haiti. Who rhymed a lot and always got the dancers at the party. I was black Daisy. You thought I wouldn't face me, but it did. Cause I was just a kid. I used to use bleaching cream No Madam CJ Walker walked into my dreams I dreamt of being white and complimented by you But the only shiny black thing that you liked was my shoes Now I apologize for bottling up All the little things you said that warped my head and my gut Even though I always told you not to brag about the fact that your great-grandmother was raped by her slave master yeah, I became militant too, so it was fair on every level, I was blacker than you. I turned you on to Malcolm X and Asada Shakur, in the three-coated elephant goose with the fur. Had the high top fade with the step on the side, had the two-finger ring rag top on the ride.